Hello, welcome to the Murdex podcast. I am extremely excited to be joined today by Amir Shiner. Um, Amir is the co-founder of Repair, a fascinating company. Um, Amir, it's it's really, really great to have you um, on this episode. Thank you and welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Morning. Morning, morning. Um, so yeah, I've, I've provided a a bit of a brief introduction there um well a very brief introduction um i'm really looking forward to getting into it and, and kind of giving the the listeners an idea of of you you know your kind of background how you've got to where you are now and, and particularly about repair and the amazing things they're doing so i will i will hand over to you if that's all right um and could you yeah maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself and your company uh, great. A little bit about myself first. Uh, well, I married uh, to Tamar for many years. Uh, I'm also a father of three, Tal, uh, Gali, and uh, Naya. Uh, I live in Israel uh, in a small town not far from, uh, from the Mediterranean Sea. Um, very much a nature-loving person. You know, I'm a passionate surfer. I'm a, I'm a mountain biker and an outdoorsman. So uh, this is very much the things I like uh, doing on my free time. Uh, academic background wise, I'm a mechanical engineer by training and I've spent, uh, spent more than 25 years of my life uh, in various uh, technology companies. Most of them are startups and small to medium sized companies developing innovative technologies that make impact on people's lives and then taking those technologies to the markets. Um, and then, you know, until uh, mid 2020, when I started the repair and maybe we can talk a little bit about that now. Yeah, perfect. So uh, in 2020, I, uh, it was the middle, in the, in the midst of the COVID, you know, the COVID pandemic, I was still uh, engaged with a, with a different uh, startup company in the medical device space. I spent more than 20 years in the medical device uh, industry. Uh, and I was a VP with a different uh, company. Then I got a phone call from a, from a friend who told me about this guy who was building a, um, a few uh, climate ventures that, uh, and, and he offered me to, to, um, to, to talk to him and I said to myself, you know, it's not really my area of expertise, but why not? You know, what what can I what what can I, what do I have to lose? Uh, of course, uh, gave him a call. We met for a, a, a sat on a coffee, uh, and talked. And he shared with me his uh, his vision. Uh, first of all, he he talked about the, the the problem that we are all aware of. But when you talk to someone who is really uh, into the details, you you really try to. I, I I really started understanding the the magnitude of the crisis and the uh, and the uh, impact that is needed here. And then when he uh, started uh, talking about the the technology that he had identified that could really make that that impact, I was really fascinated and I was hooked up by his uh, energy, his vision, his enthusiasm. His name is Yuda Bornstein. He's my partner and and chairman now at Repair. So we spent some time, he sent me some material, two, two weeks later, I had to make a decision, you know, to kind of make a momentum, momentum sleep mm. uh, from my comfort zone and, uh, and, and, and move to a totally different area. Um, 
you know, I talked to my best advisor, my wife, uh, yeah. who really encouraged me and, and told me, listen, you know, follow your instincts, follow your passion. Uh, there are some risks, but manage them. Uh, and uh, so I found myself after two weeks meeting again and uh, talking details. And then we really shortly thereafter started, started working. Uh, and as I said, it was in the midst of the pandemic. We, we, we could not even meet with people properly. We could not even meet ourselves, meet with each other properly. It was kind of weird, uh, but, uh, but we started uh, that anyhow. Uh, started from the garage, so to speak, uh, for a few months. Uh, started talking to investors and get and, and started going. Um, we actually started our the actual R and D um, mid twenty one Q three Q three twenty twenty one. So it took us uh, some time to really uh, form the the company uh, to look at the uh, to hire the the right uh, or to to actually. Um, discuss uh, between us about the the uh, the team of founders uh, and then started looking for some initial um, uh, money and and, uh, and only after we secured we secured that initial money we actually started the the r and d uh, mid twenty one wow it was really interesting actually in our previous conversations um it's it's COVID, you're moving into an area that's out of your comfort zone. Um, you're taking this huge kind of leap, this huge risk. Um, it would have been scary times anyway, because yeah, because of the pandemic. Um, and then you're having kind of video calls with VCs, which is totally out of totally out of the norm. Um, it must have been, yeah, really, really crazy time, but yeah, crazy time, but 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 really interesting, challenging, interesting, and exciting time. You know, yeah. uh, it's exciting. It's doing something completely new in an area that is completely new. Uh, but there was something that I felt about it. First of all, the the, the topic. Yeah. Uh, the, the the as I said, the the problem. Then, uh, and and we'll talk about our solution in a minute. Then then the the, the solution that we were uh, we were about to develop, and we had some. Uh, very good uh, indications uh, as it, it has been the, the subject of a research in a university. So we had a very or excellent preliminary result, results that we could uh, rely on. So on one hand, we had that huge problem, the climate crisis. On the other hand, uh, we, we had this uh, promising technology that could become you know, one of the leading technologies in this uh, space. Um, and we had a great team. Yeah, you know, we were a great team. Uh, so, and, and I put a lot of emphasis on, on the on the team. Yeah, on the chemistry. Uh, you know, between the the or among the the founding team, I can elaborate about that a little bit more uh, later. So, this is something that uh, also uh, made me feel more more comfortable making that that decision. Yeah. I remember you saying actually you've got a team of 17 with all sorts of kind of deep tech background and development background and PhDs flying all, all over so you've you've really really invested in it sounds like the most yeah the most amazingly kind of skilled and intelligent people to yeah you know, to support first this. of all first of all the the founder the founding team we are there were four four people highly experienced uh, individuals uh, and each of us brings 
uh, a different angle to, uh, to that uh, uh, venture. You know, uh, some of us are scientists, others are uh, uh, with uh, business backgrounds, engineering background, a lot of management background. So that's really, really important. And, and uh, managing the relationship um, among the founders is, is critical for the success of, of any company, any startup company. Uh, you know, that's so, so that's a, a, you know, almost like a prerequisite to have an excellent relationship and to, to be able to deal with, uh, with challenges and, and, and problems and, 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 uh, and conflicts uh, very, very uh, successfully uh, among the, 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 uh, the founding uh, team. That's, uh, that's one thing. And then there's the, the team, the, the, the team that we then started hiring, of course, as I said, the technology we develop is a, is a deep tech a solution that uh, you know is based on hardware development that requires a, a multidisciplinary understanding and approach. So we need uh, here scientists. So we have four PhDs now on the team. We need the experienced engineers. So we have uh, several engineers uh, with a lot of experience in relevant uh, areas and topics. We have technicians. We have uh, a, a business development uh, uh, directors. We have uh, you know. A, a, HR, uh, HR director, which is, you know, as I said, uh, put a lot of emphasis emphasis on that. Uh, and we work closely together. Uh, a lot of the work is done at the lab. It's not something that you can do remotely. You work together. The um, interaction uh, between people is really important here. You cannot be successful doing that uh, on your own. Uh, nobody can do that on, on their own. It, can, it should be done. Uh, 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 very much uh, as, as teamwork, and this is yeah. uh, this is what we've been we've been doing here. Amazing, amazing to hear. Um, could we maybe talk a little bit more about the the crisis and then the solution? So, what were those kind of key things when you had that first meeting about the crisis and the magnitude of that? What were mm -hmm. the key things that you thought, oh my gosh? Um, you know, I didn't realize this because I feel yeah. like, the, again, like you said before, this is a subject that I think people don't actually realize the magnitude of. And then could we really get into the kind of solution and what the solution is and how that will make a difference, please? Sure. You know, we all we all hear about the climate crisis. Some of us even feel it. You know, we uh, we even feel it here more than than other regions and than in other regions in, in the world. Uh, but we don't. But it's really hard to grasp grasp the the, the magnitude of that and, and what it really means. So when I started uh, delving further into that, I realized that you know humanity emits more than 50 billion tons of CO2 into the atmosphere every year. Okay, Gosh. and only about half of it can be dealt with naturally by by our planet. About 25, 26 billion can can be handled by 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 the planet. So there is an accumulate accumulation of billions, of tens of billions of tons of CO2 uh, that are emitted to the atmosphere and accumulated every year. And this creates like a a, a huge layer or a huge blanket that that uh, covers our planet. And what that that blanket uh, does. It allows the, the, the UV, you know, put it very uh, in a very simple, in a simple explanation, it allows the UV radiation comes in, but does not allow the heat uh, out at the same rate. Right. So what happens is we start heating up 
the planet and 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 our planet very much like our bodies you know which is it, 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 our, our body is very sensitive to temperature and our planet is very much like that. You know, it's very sensitive to temperature. So every slight change in temperature, every half a degree in the average temperature of the planet can really make a huge, a huge uh, negative effect on, on, and, and on the balance of, of, of things, uh, of plants, of, 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 uh, of animals, and, and the, what happens in, in the oceans and the, and the climate uh, overall. So when I started understanding the, the amounts of CO2 that will have to be somehow dealt with, I was almost like overwhelmed. Mm. Uh, it was like, yeah. whoa. And then, and then immediately, okay, so how do you do it, uh, really? You know, how, how, can, uh, how can we deal with that, uh, with that effectively? quickly enough not to end up in a in a complete disaster you know and uh, uh, you know i read i read a few i read the bill gates book about about it i read a few other uh, like a more like a popular science books that uh, look into or gather more you know uh, several pieces of, of information from yeah. from other uh, lit pieces of literature uh, so yeah, so so this is this is the problem. Um, uh, it is, I think there's a a, a broad scientific con scientific consensus these these days that the uh, amount that um, ex excess amount of CO two in the atmosphere is the direct directly related to the uh, 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 elevated of the or the uh, increase in in uh, elevated elevated temperature globally. Yeah. Uh, so there's no question about that anymore, mm -hmm. uh, because it was it was under debate for many years, but I think not anymore. Mm -hmm. And now the challenge uh, is how to reverse, or how to at least stop that, or at, or at least uh, slow it down a little bit, and then eventually stop it. Yeah. Um, and what we do it, uh, what we do in, in repair is develop a solution that can really, uh, really efficiently separate. Uh, CO2 molecules from the from the air that we breathe from the atmospheric air, and remove it, take it out of the system, ensuring that it will not go back uh, to the atmosphere, thereby reducing the uh, eventually reducing large amounts of, of CO2 uh, that is has been accumulated in the atmosphere. Um, you have to understand that you know. Uh, even if, if as humanity, uh, even if we uh, make a genuine efforts and successful efforts in eliminating emissions and reducing industry emissions and uh, power generation emissions and transportation emissions, we will end up with uh, quite a few billions of tons that are not uh, that we will we will not be able to to uh, eliminate. Uh, and this is uh, where technologies like uh, repair come come into play. Uh, billions and billions of uh, of tons of CO2 that will have to be removed. The way we do it is relatively straightforward. We have an electrochemical cell, which is in the very core of our system. Um, it comprises two identical electrodes uh, and a selective membrane separating them. 
try to imag imagine a, a cell that is in the proportion of a big, uh, like a big uh, flow tile. So it has a big uh, surface, but it's very thin. We uh, apply uh, electric volt voltage uh, across the, those uh, layers and flow air, atmospheric air, through one side of the cell at the same time. And this triggers an electrochemical reaction that binds the CO2 uh, molecules to some ions that are generated uh, in one of the electrodes, and then forming larger ions that are then selectively transferred through the, the membrane to the other side of the cell, such that on one side of the cell, we have depleted air that goes back to the atmosphere. And on the other side, we have pure CO2 gas that, that streams out for um, storage, permanent storage. Then we take uh, this uh, single cell and we stack it in very large numbers, very large areas and very large numbers. And then we start accumulating those big stacks uh, chaining them to each other and, and this way uh, by a very modular uh, fashion we intend to reach higher and higher uh, capacities mm -hmm. that will be needed here. And then those, those plants will eventually be deployed in areas close to where CO2 can be, uh, can be properly and permanently stored such that we can avoid the transportation of CO2. So since, since our feedstock for the process is atmospheric air, we can, and what we need for our process is only renewable electricity, we can uh, uh, deploy those plants almost anywhere. Uh, anywhere we have a good source of renewable electricity and a, a good permanent uh, storage uh, solution for the uh, CO2 uh, close by. And there's no there's no shortage of shortage of such a location. It does not have to be nearby or close to a, a city. It can be located remotely, provided that we have those uh, the, the electricity available there. Uh, so eventually, we're going to deploy large large scale projects uh, with uh, partners. We we are going to remain. A relatively small company, so we'll, we'll need to build on partnerships mm -hmm. with uh, storage partners, with a project development partners, and and other partners, and then deploy very large scale projects eventually. Fascinating, uh, absolutely fascinating. It's truly in inspiring. You know what you're doing and what what you're going to be achieving. What's what's the plan then? What does the next? I think is it. Is it the global plan to be net zero by 2050? Have I got that correct? Yeah, perhaps I would just add that the that our solution in com in comparison to more conventional uh, direct recapture uh, approaches approaches uh, our our edge is is the, uh, the very low amount of energy that is needed for our solution. Yeah, right. Uh, since since CO two in the air. Uh, in terms of concentration is very scarce, it's very low, it's only 0.04%. Although the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere is very big, the uh, ratio of CO2 in, in, in the air is very is small, uh, is very low, very small. So, uh, so one needs to put a lot of energy to really 
selectively grasp those those CO2 molecules from from the air and and separate them. And, and our technology, and that's one of the main challenges when you look at uh, directing direct air capture uh, uh, solutions. And our technology is 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 a, is very efficient. It only requires a fraction of the energy of some other more conventional uh, technologies and very modular. Uh, and that's uh, the key the key advantages of what what uh, what we have here. Perfect. Fantastic. Thank you. It is truly inspiring. I've loved I've loved learning and, and hearing what you're doing. Um, and yeah, I, I truly believe that, that the listeners are going to be inspired by this as well. Um, so you said you your partners, what what would it look like for people in general, then the technology kind of, I'm just trying to place it in my mind. Um, and what what kind of partners are you wanting to partner up with? Well, we're going to remain focused on really uh, capturing or separating the CO2 from, from the air. That's uh, the innovative uh, uh, part of this uh, value chain. Uh, and we are now already uh, in discussions with uh, various um, CO2 storage partners. Uh, CO2 right. uh, has been stored underground for many years. Right, uh, didn't know that. Uh, yeah, the oil and gas industry have been storing CO2 in, in dwindling oil wells uh, for many, many years to to actually elevate the pressure of those right. uh, of those wells. It's called enhanced oil recovery, which is which is a big no uh, today. Uh, you don't enhance the uh, dwindling oil recovery uh, oil wells anymore. However, the, uh, there's a lot of know-how that's uh, that's uh, that's been developed and uh, accumulated in that in that space. Uh, so there are companies that are, that are now focusing on injecting CO2 not to enhance uh, the performance of oil wells, rather than rather store CO2 in other geological formations like saline aquifers and the like. And so those uh, those companies are are you know. Uh, are, uh, are the target for our, our discussions at the moment. Mm -hmm. Some of them are oil and gas companies, some of them are, uh, are uh, coming from different uh, areas of, of, uh, of different businesses, all looking at this uh, developing carbon dioxide removal business, not only from the impact, uh, an impact pers perspective, but also from a business perspective. It, it's, it has a potential to become a trillion dollar industry in, in yeah. 20 years. So, uh, so we're looking to, uh, we're, so we're now discussing with, uh, as I said, storage partners. Uh, by the way, uh, there are uh, approaches uh, uh, involving storing CO2 in, in concrete, does not have to be injected underground, uh, can be injected into products, provided that you are able to demonstrate that it is permanently stored and is not uh, released uh, or it, it stays um, stable for many many years. Yeah. Um, and then, and then uh, we'll have to uh, work together with uh, large engineering companies on designing and building uh, large scale projects. Yeah. Uh, in the scale of you know large oil rigs, uh, or or. Uh, or uh, you know, large uh, wind uh, turbine farms and solar fields and so on. Yeah. So we need to work. So 
So we'll need to partner with those those companies who can really work with us on designing, building those those huge uh, infrastructure projects. Yeah. And to work with project developers, project financers to really bring the finance that is needed for those those projects to partner with those and to build those projects together. Eventually, what we would like to do is we'd like that those project entities to issue high quality carbon credits to off-takers. Off-takers are almost any are almost any corporation that uh, will eventually need to bridge their emission gaps to make sure they can meet their ESG targets and reach net zero as they right. have committed to the shareholders. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for explaining that. It was how I was kind of picturing it, um, but yeah, I, I really, really appreciate explaining that. Absolutely fascinating. Thanks. Um, we've not got loads of time left. I feel like we've spent our time very, very well, though. So, uh, so yeah, it's really interesting. Um, a bit more about you and your journey and how you've kind of got here. If we could get maybe delve into that a little bit. Um, and and then I will ask at the end, maybe if you've got a book that you would recommend. Um, you did mention Bill Gates, but you know, if, if that's the one, yeah. great, if there's anything else. But but yeah, so just a little bit about you then, your career. What's been the biggest challenges um, that you've faced and how do you believe you've kind of overcome them, if, if that makes sense? Yeah, many, many challenges, of course, um, over the over the years. But I'll, I'll touch maybe um, one 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 story. Another startup uh, company in a totally different area. It was in the medical device uh, space. It originated from a, a university. the The co-founder was a university professor, and I joined him as a as a CEO early stage. But I wasn't I wasn't considered the a, a co-founder, rather a you know a CEO, mm -hmm. uh, but it was very really early, and uh, the we had a very good uh, a very good um, solution to a certain uh, medical problem, uh, but the company almost you know uh, from the beginning struggled. We struggled. I struggled uh, around mostly around managing the relationship with the co-founder professor mm -hmm. the ego that was involved there was was huge you know yeah. um, and the, the company did not advance as it should have been uh, due to that to, to those you know to that bad start or bad bad the bad relationship between the the senior management and that really although we, we raised a lot of money we built a team, we built the product, but but the, the company uh, did not make it eventually, I think, a lot because of that. And yeah. and, and, I, and I had a part of it, you know, I, I should have done a better job managing the, the, that relationship. It, it was challenging, you know, mm. but still, uh, I, 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 you know, looking back today, I think uh, I could have done a better job. Uh, I learned a lot since then. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, so one of the lessons, first of all, you should select select your partners. You know, if some partners are too difficult to work with, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and and we, and a startup company, you spend most of your waking hours 
or most of your your hours uh, uh, at work you know it's it's just uh, so difficult it, and it, and the journey is so long and it's important that it's not only effective but it's also fun you know it's also fun it, it's a, it's not a, and it's not a lot of fun when there's a lot of ego and and uh, polit and politics and, and tricks and sticks uh, i don't like that and this yeah. is one one of the those things that i really emphasize uh, and it's uh, in general it's all about uh, not all but a lot lot about relationships a lot of yeah. about the team a lot about people so I, I I wanted to bring that up. I think it's it's an important lesson. Yeah, I, I find that totally fascinating. And every single podcast, it you know, no matter how fantastically intelligent the people are behind it, or no matter how amazing the technology is, it does come back a lot to that kind of that human element. Um, that's really that's really you know fascinating that you've drawn on that experience. Um, yeah so so thank you for that um we've not Look, got loads of time left yes if, me, <laughs> if, you, if you could let me mention one 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 book uh you Please. know a, a quick story i once yeah, i once yes, uh, had to had to take a flight from uh, new jersey to israel and uh, i had like uh, seven or eight hours uh, overlay i i decided to go out um uh, from the airport and i sat in that uh, uh, restaurant um and and i and i and i bought this book this book in the in the airport just before leaving the airport it's called a between a rock and a hard place okay, okay. yeah it's about this guy uh, who uh, got who was a like a, um, an outdoorsman who uh, went on a on a hike by himself and his uh, arm was caught between a, a rock and the and the wall of a canyon and he was stuck for six days like that uh, and eventually had to cut off his arm to get released from that situation i've heard this story uh, yeah so i bought the book and i went out and i sat in a restaurant started reading the book really i maybe read maybe 40 pages of that uh, book then i went i and i uh, wanted to um, to go back and to uh, head back to the airport i realized that i lost my passport <laughs> and uh, so uh, so then of course uh, i started looking uh, everywhere i lost my passport and i had to stay over the weekend in, in new york i had to find a place to stay to go to the uh, to the embassy and to uh, get a a slip that will oh, allow no. me to, to come back but then when and then just before getting into you know uh, panic and uh, and 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 then uh, uh, before before really losing losing it, I looked at that book and I said, you know, this gives you real proportion mm. uh, to life, you know. Yeah. And so this this book is a is a is a really is a really inspiring true story uh, of uh, a person who got into a situation he did not plan. And how he dealt uh, with it, uh, and what what uh, what happened to him, and how he successfully managed to really get released and then get back to to things that he loved doing before. Excellent story. I recommend it. Amazing, 
Perfect. I'll put that in the notes actually of the podcast. Um, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, we, I mean, they've got so many other questions, but we've run out of time. I just want to say a huge thank you. Um, I really hope that this podcast inspires people. I hope people follow you. If they do want to follow you, they can find you on LinkedIn, can't they? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, um, I really look forward to sharing this. Thank you so much, Amir. Thank Amir, you. Thank you, Rapper. It's <laughs> been great speaking with you. Um, thank you so much. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Thank you.